You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thanks. Good morning. Sweet. Stay standing. Stay standing. Good morning. Um, that, you know, 20 years ago, that just makes me old. Amen. We proved that by joking with each other, didn't we? Yeah. Amen. Uh, okay. Can, uh, a couple of things. Number one, let's pray. Can you hold both of your hands up like this? Everybody hold up your hands. Put a smile on your face. Come on, smile. Come on. At least pretend you're a baby that's got gas. You can do this. Amen. Uh, we, we love Jesus. He's alive. You ought to smile, somebody. Amen. Uh, with a smile on your face and your eyes open. All right, because the Bible does say watch and pray. <laughs> so with your eyes open, say this out loud with me. Jesus, Jesus. thank you so much, thank you so much. For, your for your presence here. Change me forever. Change me. Starting right now. Jesus, I especially ask you, touch the person next to me. They really need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands, everybody. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah. All right. Before you're seated, look at the person next to you right in their eyes and say, repent, you beady-eyed little sinner, and you can sit down. Go ahead. I know what you're thinking. Oh, that's so mean. (laughs) Some of you have been wanting to say that to your spouse forever. I just gave you the reason to do it. A couple of things. Um, uh, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful uh, for your pastor and your pastoral staff. I know so many of them, and and I'm so grateful. I'm always grateful to go to a place they don't call the police. (laughs) Amen. Um, I I do feel uh, overdressed. Um, part of the reason why that is is not just because I'm old, but also uh, because um, I'm not going to apologize for having a personality. Um, I am a 100% purebred Greek. Greek is my first language. My name is not Dean. You want to know what my real name is? My name is Konstantinos Dionysios Nivoratos. That's my name, uh, which is why you call me that's right. I used to introduce myself early on. I used to introduce myself that way, except I would go to these really spirit-filled congregations and say, hey, my name is Constantinos Dionysios Nivaratos, and uh, three people would jump and give an interpretation because they thought it was a message in tongues. And, uh, and at least they were always encouraging. Praise God, it wasn't anything for judgment, so I was really grateful for that. But anyway, um, uh, uh, I, I, um, I, when I got saved, I didn't have my personality surgically removed. Um, and so I'm going to be a stretch to everybody. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of dress up to kind of because my personality is such that uh, when people try to guess what I do for a living, I usually get one of three things. Number one, uh, you're a drug dealer, which should concern me. Number two, um, that I'm a comedian. Or number three, um, I'm a used car salesman. I am not. <laughs> Any of those things, I, you know, God calls us, uh, you know, when you're 100% Greek, y'all just ought to thank Jesus right now. He did not put as many Greeks on this planet as he did Chinese, amen, because it would be way too loud as a planet, although probably by this time there would be a colony on Mars by now, but just to get away from all the noise. Um, uh, I'm a noisy, energetic person, so if you struggle, um, if you struggle identifying as a Jesus freak, um, 
if you struggle with that publicly, you do not want to be out with me in public. <laughs> Because uh, it will stretch you. I mean, if we go out and eat together, as people know who've gone out to eat with me, if you're going to ask me to pray for the food, this is how it's going to be at this level. Thank you, Jesus, and bless everybody in this place to come to know you if they don't. In Jesus' name, amen. I've had seven restaurants say amen at the end of that prayer. <laughs> Entire restaurants. I'm not kidding. Uh, you know, and you're like, okay, so you all be praying. Well, then you got a real obstacle because I will be praying at that same level in tongues. <laughs> Uh, because it is a sign for unbelievers. Just want to make sure you're clear on that one. But anyway, so, so I, I just like I just got back from overseas. I was just in an area, and I'm so grateful for all that Jesus did uh, in terms of Muslims, Hindus, and Buddhists all getting saved. That was incredibly awesome. And uh, when I was coming back into the country, uh, because again, with my looks and I think my personality, they uh, always take me aside to ask me just to clear customs. They, and the young man asked me what I get all the time. He says, "Do you have anything to declare?" I say, well, "Outside of the fact, Jesus." rocks and then I pray in tongues have you ever heard of it I can't think of anything um, and so uh, and it was interesting because they usually pass me through real quick then but anyway um, uh, I'm also doing this uh, testimony stuff so you can get used to the speed at which I talk amen I am older than you think I am. Trust me, I am. Uh, it's just that I'm Greek, and uh, again, uh, we naturally produce Grecian formula, so I'm never going gray. Amen. Um, uh, if you have your Bible, would you open up to Isaiah chapter 6, please? I'm so thankful you actually confirmed uh, what God had laid on my heart. And I do want to say this. Uh, there's a young man in this room uh, that Jesus wants you to know, yes, he heard your challenge. Yes, he heard what you said. Yes, he actually very much knows everything that you're going through, uh, and he wanted him to make sure he called you dude. <laughs> um, he did very much. And yeah, he's worth uh, surrendering your complete life to. Um, you gave him a challenge and he just wanted you to know he heard that. And he's taking it seriously. Um, I am an unusual person. I was talking to a uh, uh, pastor. And um, I, when you pray a lot, the more you devote yourself to prayer and prayer with fasting, uh, when you do that over the course of years, you tend to have these experiences with God. And he shows you a lot about others. You know, um, this is not about us. This whole thing is not about us. It's not about, it's not about me doing a ministry, this is my job, it's my ministry, how cool I am. That's got nothing to do with anything. I'm not concerned with uh, anybody's adulation. I'm not concerned whether uh, anybody thinks I'm the greatest preacher they've ever heard, because if you do, then you have issues. <laughs> um, because this is not gonna be that great. But um, can, I, can I tell you, this isn't about people and popularity. It's not about anything. This is all about Jesus. It's not about God, it's about Jesus. Jesus is God. You know, I, I, we have in the discipleship uh, that, um, that we do, uh, we do discipleship by taking people through the entire Bible because people are biblically illiterate. And so it's not topical. It's like, let's go from cover to cover in the Bible so you know your Bible. So you know the silly things that people share. There are people who have PhDs and MDIVs and for goodness sake, they have M-O-U-S-E's. I could care less. The, the bottom line is they have all these degrees and all the rest, and yet they don't know God. They don't know Jesus. And I, I like to say in our discipleship, you can always tell where somebody is with God by the way they address them. When somebody says God, I'm like, well, which God do you serve? There are millions of them that people serve. You know, and, and you know, if they say Jesus, I know there's a passion in there. And Jesus, and it's out in public. And Jesus, you know, it's, it's who matters to them. Jesus, that's his name. Somebody shout his name. Jesus. Shout his name. Jesus. 
You know, he is the awesome, the anointed one. He is the best friend you're ever going to have. He is compassion personified, the one who delivers from every bondage. He's everything you'll ever need, the friend of sinners and God Almighty, full of glory. He's hell's most hated enemy, indestructibly invincible and joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's our Messiah. He is newsworthy and noteworthy and never-ending love. Oh, somebody shout his name. He's the one and only Savior. He's the power of God, the one who quenches our thirst. He's our righteousness, the savior of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Totally terrific, undeniably unsurpassable, and victor over sin, hell, death, and the grave. Somebody get excited. Come on. He's all those things and so much more. He is that. I can always tell when somebody's backslidden when they refer to God as the big guy upstairs. Amen. This is all about Jesus. And, and it's all about what he came to do, which is to save people. He came not so that we can experience all the most of all the blessings that, that you could experience on earth. He came so we could be a conduit of those things. You know, for 38 years, uh, I, you know, in discipling people as God has led us throughout our lives, you know, I've given the same challenge for 38 years. And I said, if you let us push you, if you get to know the Bible, you know, we're going to go somewhere overseas and we're going to go plant a church. And 10 years after you're gone, it's still going to be there. Because what God does lasts forever. Can somebody shout amen? amen? And you're gonna see signs, wonders, and miracles happen. You're gonna see demons cast out and sick people get healed and crippled bodies get put back together again. Not because you're watching me or anybody else doing it, but because you yourself are gonna do it. In 38 years of discipling people, I've never had one, not one, who's ever come back and said, you didn't keep your word. Now, of course, it's not that I'm keeping my, I'm just declaring what the Bible says. I mean, it's really great when you make the promise that God makes. God says you're going to do these things. We meet together so that God, the God of the universe, can, can, can do what he says he does. I mean, you know, you shouldn't have to walk into church and wonder, what has this got to do with anything I read in the Bible? Can I get an amen from somebody? You know, he's a living, breathing savior. You know, at this point in our lives, we've won, uh, my wife and I and our family, we've won, you know, uh, 96 of our neighbors in the three places that we've lived to Christ. They've gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. 92 of them have gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. We've baptized people in our bathtub in our house. That's all in our house, not coming to a meeting. Because we're supposed to be making a difference in the lives of others. Can I get an amen from somebody? It should be an overflow. People should be able to look at you and freak out because they see Jesus looking back. Amen? I mean, if he lives in your heart, he can peek out the windows. Amen? Amen? I mean, here at this church, you guys should always feel that Jesus is looking at you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was excited when Pastor brought me to the hotel. I mean, he picked me up from the airport. God bless him and, and bless you for serving me in that way and brought me to the hotel. I'm like, man, you guys got an awesome church. I didn't realize the filling station was a restaurant and not your church. Amen. Um, that was actually funny, but evidently only to me. But anyway, so, um, you know, the fact is, is, that, uh, is that this is all about who Jesus is and making sure that people are ready to meet him. And you know, the fact is, and sorry, it is a very incredibly elegant, simple, easy way to see him that costs you everything in your life and it becomes exceedingly difficult because Jesus said, it's a narrow road and a narrow way and it's difficult and few are they that find it. It's got nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with you and me. Isaiah 6, okay, are you there? Isaiah chapter 6, I love this. This is the gospel of the Old Testament, Isaiah. 
um, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Somebody shout amen. Now, before I get on with this, just by way of Uzziah was an amazing king, and also uh, he didn't end well. Uzziah was that great king who trusted God and believed God and was mightily used of God and was raised up. And actually, God didn't just you know, give him wisdom. He also gave him some great smarts. I mean, he created things and, and prospered the nation in the wisdom that God God gave him so that you could be successful as a servant of God in everyday living. He gave him ingenuity and he had weapons by which they could wage war that were powerful, a mighty army. I mean, strategies. I mean, you, when you serve Jesus, it's not just serving him as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is also serving him in whatever arena because God will literally prosper you in whatever arena that may, may be. I mean, he'll give you intelligence so that you prosper in things. Can I get an Amen. You know, your ministry becomes the place that you are using the gifts that God has, has given you and being faithful to God. Now, I just want to make this as a side comment. I just want you to know this, that God doesn't choose you to use you powerfully because of your gifts. He chooses you because of your heart. He wants to move through you because of a heart. He'd rather take somebody who's absolutely no talents, gifts, and abilities, <laughs> and use that person because of their availability and their surrender to God. He'd rather do that. Your talents, gifts, and abilities are never going to be used by God primarily. They'll always be secondary. That's why the most beautiful thing is it's nice to be in a church that you could actually call a church, and I'm saying that about this church, because it's supposed to be a house of prayer. I'm just excited about your pastor not only having taken that challenge, but having written not just one, but several books on prayer and, and being a young man of prayer. Because this is a house of prayer, everything. The, the entire body of Christ operates around this. If you want to know Bible 101, the work of the church is prayer. The reward that you get for doing the work is ministry. And the ministry of the church is saving souls, which includes discipleship. That's Bible 101. I mean, the foundation of everything is seeking God. And Uzziah sought God, and he was a secular government leader, and he also had this intelligence in these other things. I mean, he was amazingly used, but he lost his way and gained in pride and then did not, as young people like to say today, stay in his lane. He didn't stay in his lane, and he decided, hey, because I know enough about all these other things, I could run the house of God too. And he decided to go offer to God sacrifices that only the priests were supposed to offer. And in doing that, the priest stood against them and said, you cannot do this. That is not, you're, you're crossing a line. Stop it. And what happened with Uzziah? Uzziah wanted to get mad at them because he's like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know how God has done all these things for me? I can do whatever I want to whenever I want to and I can make these decisions and all the rest. He says that, and in the midst of trying to say that and get rid of the priests who I laud those priests for their boldness because they knew that they were taking their life on the line, it was the, the, the head priest and 60 others that were standing against them, and you know, God said, all right, I'm going to back up the men of God here, and Uzziah broke out with leprosy in front of them. And for the rest of his days, lived separated and secluded from people and everybody else because of his leprosy. Don't cross your line and always remember to stay humble in the presence of a living God. To remember that everything that happens is because of God and God alone. You know, I've prayed, I've had the great honor and privilege in Jesus, something I've never deserved to ever see. 
to pray for so many people who are blind and lame and deaf and, and have all manner of disease and see Jesus put them back together. I remember being in Europe and praying. I was sharing this with Pastor. I, I did a, a Pentecostal uh, uh, Pentecost Sunday service in, in Brussels, Belgium here a couple of years ago. And, uh, and this was, it was beautifully amazing. People from everywhere, French-speaking Africa, French people, you know, uh, uh, Belgians themselves, you know, uh, Belgium's a unique nation. They have French-speaking area and Dutch-speaking area. Uh, and all. So all these people are coming together and God did so much and dumped out his spirit. There were uh, uh, four or five Africans, an African family, from uh, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, um, the Ivory Coast, and uh, you know they were there, and a few of the family members got saved. They all got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were going out with the uh, the mother of the family who was in a wheelchair because she was a cripple, and as they were like uh, touting her, and she's just got her hands up in the air praying in tongues for the first time in her life as they're pushing her out in her wheelchair. As they got into the parking lot, the glory of God came down on the parking lot, and she jumped up and started running. She was absolutely healed. Can somebody shout amen? That's the Jesus that we serve, the Jesus that wants to operate here in Ames, Iowa, at Iowa State, in your job, your work, and anywhere else he may send you on this planet. That same Jesus is alive. Do we take credit and glory for that? No. She got filled by Jesus who filled her with the Holy Spirit. Nobody laid a hand on her. They were rolling her in her wheelchair. The only thing that you can remark on is that, I guess that totally made her a holy roller. Amen. <laughs> Outside of that, and I kept telling myself, don't say that. Don't say the holy roller thing. That's a bad dad joke. Stop it. I did anyway. That's pray for me. But hear me. <laughs> you know, the bottom line is she got healed. Who prayed for her? Nobody. She was just rejoicing in the spirit of God when the power of God came down. They weren't believing God. Two of the five of them that were there were had just gotten saved. They didn't know one thing from the other. They're all just rejoicing because they're feeling a presence they never felt before. This presence of Jesus. There's a humility that happens when you see things like this. So we should stay humble. We should lay ourselves at the feet. I'm sorry I'm saying this. It's just that it seems like we've made pride a virtue in the body of Christ. The more proud somebody is, the more, the more they talk about their anointing and who they know and this person and that person and oh my goodness and I know this person and all the rest. I'm like, ah! You know, it's like somehow that validates them and makes it all like, like a God thing. Jesus was humble. He was born in a manger. He was born in a barn. The king of kings and the Lord of lords who, when he was doing things, says, oh, the things that I'm doing, I'm only doing what I see my father doing. But what I'm telling you, oh, I'm only speaking what I hear my father speaking. He's the one. I mean, there's, there's this humility, and, and forgive me, but I especially get concerned that when I see a lot of young people that they kind of get connected with all these people that are like, all that. You know, I mean, I, I'm thankful, uh, you know, I'm thankful for our, our worship leaders. I'm so thankful. I, I know them. Um, and, and I'm so thankful for them, uh, but they know you get around the worship leaders of today and you know, they, they, they were going through a trend here, you know, trying to one up each other for apostatizing and denying Christ. And I'm sort of going, what's wrong with you? I mean, the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, Isaiah said. I saw him. That's who I want to see. You get to a certain age and you want to see him sooner because you get tired of seeing all the things that you see. You're tired of the horrible things that happen to little kids. 
because of mankind's sin. You get tired when you're talking to a young man and a young woman and they're trying to tell you, no, I'm actually now a woman or no, I'm not a, now a man. I don't care what you think about what I'm gonna say. I was telling pastor, I had this interesting discussion with a young man who's trying to be a woman and he's mad at me. And I looked at him and said, just understand why you're mad at me. You're mad at me because I agree with what God said when he was in the womb making you. He made you, he designed you, he said you were perfect. He whispered in your ear before you came into this world and he said, perfect. And when you came in this world, he said, perfect. And you disagree with him, I agree with him. So you're mad at me because I think you were perfect, he thinks you were perfect and you're saying, no, I wasn't. This is weird for you to be arguing with me about that. We live in such a messed up world and trust me, you, I just want to see Jesus and it's those moments like when we're having worship, when you're praying in tongues, you're like, God, I can't sing worth a lick. I can't play an instrument worth a lick. For goodness sake, I can't lick worth a lick. You know, the, the, the bottom line is you, you sit there and you feel enraptured and you're like, God, I'm going to open up my eyes and I will see you. I remember uh, a, a few years ago now, I remember uh, being asked to come to something because this family who I hadn't met yet and they'd heard of the things that God was doing through our ministry. And they said, please come, our, our nine-year-old daughter who's dying of cancer, she's gonna die. And, and she's like right on the brink. They prayed her back several times from the brink. And they said, it looks like this is the night. And the house was filled with people from the church. And, and uh, they said, uh, you know, Pastor Jean, can you please come, please come. And, 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 I, and I'm like, you know, it's 11.30 at night. And I'm like, fine, you know, because I'm up at all hours anyway. I'm kind of hyper, you know, the Energizer Bunny and Jesus are my heroes. But hear this, so... So I, I, I said, yes, I, I'm, I'm coming. You know, I'm, I'm, I mean, the glory of God filled my car as I'm driving. I literally felt like I was doing this, you know, looking out of the corner of my eye because I felt like I was literally going to see Jesus. I knew he was right there. I mean, in a way that was unique. And I'm, I, 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 I fully expected to turn on him and I, I to have a face-to-face. -face. I felt the glory. And I said, God, I can't wait because you're going to do this miracle. You're going to raise up this little nine-year-old girl who's emaciated because of the cancer that went through her body and all the rest. God, I know you're going to do this. And there was such a glory and such a presence and such a high faith. And God said, will you ask what I'm going to ask you to ask? Will you pray only what I tell you to pray? And I said, well, yes, Jesus. You know I will. When I surrendered to you, I saw you high and lifted up. And I surrendered everything to you. I'll do whatever you want, whatever you want me to do it. And so, so he said, then, then when you get there, I want you to lay your hands on her, walk in front of everybody, tell the mother and father that you're here to pray one prayer, I want you to pray that prayer, and then I want you to walk out. Now that's hard. Because everything inside of you, you want to, and, and, and this is what God said, pray that she sees me in all my glory face to face. That was the prayer. I'm praying in tongues out loud in my car when this conversation's happening at some level I don't understand. And I got that and I'm like, that is an unusual prayer. I will pray that. And so I go walk in, I greet everybody. They're like, ah, you know, as if like, oh, the man of God is there. Like, yeah, this. And, and I'm like, and I'm like, okay. And I told the mom and dad, God gave me an assignment. I'm just gonna do that and I'm gonna turn around and leave. They just, I think, assumed that I just needed to head back home. But they said, no, it's great, yes, plum. So I come, I lay hands on her and I prayed, oh God, I pray that little Rebecca will see you in all your glory face to face. I felt 
every bit, the minute I said this, of the glory and power of God backing up that prayer, then I felt everything leave. Not God leave, not anything, just like it's done. And so I turned around and walked out. Well, they didn't know what to think. She died in the early morning hours, several hours after I prayed that prayer. Now, I want to tell you something. I know it's God's, now I want you to hear what I'm going to say. I know it's Jesus' will to heal absolutely everybody. I know it is God's will to heal everybody. Death is not a healing. Death is a wonderful graduation to a wonderful reward. I know what the Bible says, and I know because I've prayed for enough people, we've seen the dead raised, we've seen all the rest of this stuff. I know it is God's 100% will to heal, heal 100% of the people. I know that. I also know we're living in a world that gets a lot of plan B because of how foolish we are as people. And I realize that this world is filled with the secondhand smoke of sin and destruction. Now, hear what I'm gonna say. Yet I knew that God had answered my prayer. But I didn't know how until at the funeral, the mom and the dad stood up and the dad addressed me specifically in front of everybody. He said, I want you to know this because only the nearest family knows this, but I promised I, I wanted to share this so that Pastor Dean would hear this. But Pastor Dean came and he prayed this prayer. And honestly, when he left, we thought, what on earth, what kind of a prayer was that? To pray. He didn't pray heal. He didn't pray life. He didn't pray. He just prayed. And he goes, and in the early morning hours, we had our little Re Rebecca between us, my wife and I. And all of a sudden, she woke up and she was our little girl again filled with energy, filled with life, filled with everything, like she was, like we thought she's healed. That's how energized she was. And this is what she said. She said, mommy, daddy, give me my wedding dress. Give me my wedding dress. I'm gonna see him. Give me my wedding dress. And the mom's like, what? She goes, my wedding dress, mommy, my wedding dress, with the biggest smile. It's gonna be wonderful. She closed her eyes and went to go be with the Lord. He looked at me and he said to me, he said, he goes, we never discussed the bride of Christ. We never discussed this. I can't even think that, that, that children's ministry, and she hasn't been there for so long because she's been so sick, that ever discussed any of those things. My little girl saw Jesus in all of his glory face to face. I saw the Lord and his train filled the temple. This isn't about you making it through another day here. He'll help you. Don't worry. It isn't about you seeking the latest blessing so that you can have a peace that he wanted you to have because you know him, that you don't have to worry about anything here. But he'll help you. It's not about having your next you know, paycheck come in and be more. He knows what you need. He'll help you. It's about seeing the Lord face to face in all of his glory. And his train is filling the temple. It goes on to say here, seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Pastor shared this. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundation of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. Now hear me, I, I'm sorry, but it's not gonna be quiet in heaven, but it'll still be peaceful. 
It's not going to be quiet. Some of you are like, man, I just can't stand a church that's loud. And like I said, I look, if you're the kind of person that puts their hand in a fire and, and while their hand is in the fire, says, oh God, I do now beseech thee verily, my God, that thou hast helpest me, thine servant, to extricate verily these my burning digits out of the fire that do doth burn them. This I pray in the name of thy holy servant, Jesus. Amen and ouch <laughs> If that's you, I think you need a doctor and some medicine. <laughs> Amen. I mean, and maybe some surgery. But the bottom line is, I don't think that's the way you're going to act. Amen. When we're in the presence of that glory and of the fire that was talked about earlier, when that fire is there, when there's a fire burning inside of you, it gives vent to some kind of noise. I like to tell people a waterfall is not quiet, but it is peaceful. How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Is that peaceful? Yeah. Is it quiet? No. There's, there's a noise. There's this venting of things. And, you know, I, 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 forgive me. I hate it when people say, well, God's voice is a still, small voice. You're missing the point of that one text that says that. The point isn't that it's a still, small voice. If you ever do a study on the voice of God, you're going to find out his voice is really loud. Amen? I mean, it's loud. It breaks cedars. It thunders. It shakes things. My wife and I, have, through our, our, our entire married lives, periodically we'll go through seasons where we read the Bible out loud to each other as God, who has a sense of humor. God had it. We were reading the book of Revelation out loud to each other. I finished my chapter. She gets into chapter six and seven there, or she's reading six and seven, and she reads, and the seal was opened, and there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. And she looked at me, and she said, you're not going to be there. <laughs> I mean, I'm not quiet. <laughs> I'm actually taking a nap right now. Amen. <laughs> the fact is, uh, the fact is, it is not quiet. There's only 30 minutes of silence in heaven. It is not. His voice resounds. You know, the point is, if you're a person of prayer, you need to learn and discern as a person of prayer when God is speaking and when he's not speaking. Sometimes it may be quiet. Other times it may be loud. The thing is, you don't get carried away with emotions. You need to know the voice of your God. Amen? My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. And if you don't know his voice, what does that say about you being his sheep? It's very bad for you. Amen? <laughs> Sorry, I tried not to. I said, don't go there, but I did anyway. All right, hear it. Verse 5, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. Everyone say, Woe. Because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Lo, it may say, it depends on what Bible version you have. It's, it's, a, it's a word that kind of adds to, it's either, it, it could be low or behold. Everyone say low. Low. This has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. And he said, go. Everyone say go. And tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and, and be healed. 
Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant, houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed as its stump. That's going to be prophetically important when we finish here, but I want you to consider these three words. Woe, everyone say that. Low, everyone say that. And go. Uh, You'll notice, and I'm going to repeat a set of three, three times. Woe, low, and go. That's your first three. The second one is, if you notice, one is the word of a man, the other is the word of an angel, and the other is the word of God. And you'll notice, again, our third set of threes, one is a word, if you're looking at the text there, one is a word of confession, the other is a word of cleansing, and the other is a word of commissioning. I just want to communicate this to you because I feel my heart is overflowing with this. We need a real vision of who God is because the spirit of the fear of the Lord needs to reign among us. And we don't fear God and we need to. Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up and our natural response is like, I'd love to sing that. I'd love to worship that. I'd love to have this thing where I can get my warm fuzzy and my crying. But you know, we, that's a beautiful thing, but there should be a woe there somewhere. He is holy and pure. There's nobody like him and it's hard to define the word holy because it is what God is. It is set apart. He's not like us. He wants us to become like him. And that's going to require a transformation. That's going to require a change. You have to be transformed. You cannot be like this world and still make it to heaven. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. God says, you need a, that's what, you know, we used to preach back in the day. We used to preach what I call a deliverance salvation. You're delivered from the bondage of hell and you're loosed in the kingdom of God. You become a new, we don't preach that anymore. We just say you're forgiven because nobody expects anybody to change. God says you're going to be transformed. See, this is rooted Call him son. If you're going to hear me say son, daughter a lot, please. That's, I'm not saying that I'm your father. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm just old. <laughs> so that's how you address younger people. Um, and then your peer group, you say bro and sis. <laughs> Amen. And if anybody's older than me, then I look at them and say, man, you're old. No, <laughs> no. Um, I say dad. <laughs> right? um, that's why people don't pray. Because you can do a lot of things with sin in your life, but you can't pray very long with sin in your life. And when you're not going to be transformed, we used to preach that you were transformed and changed. You know, do you realize there's an altar here and we're going to come to the altar and we're going to pray. But why do we pray? Because preaching doesn't change you and teaching doesn't change you. What changes you is God will use preaching and teaching, a word somebody may share. He uses it to inspire you to get to an altar of prayer. And when you wrestle with God at an altar of prayer and the Holy Spirit wins that battle, that's when change happens. But the thing is, you got to want to change. You know, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. His response is unique, isn't it? It isn't like, yeah, whoa, dude, yeah. I'm a friend of God, yeah. 
The Bible says that it's going to be a terrifying thing to come into the presence of God. Oh, that's so Old Testament. It's not Old Testament. That's in the New. You know, I, I, I get weary. I mean, well, you know, a very popular preacher who's trained a lot of young ministers today, when he said, we need to disengage ourselves from the Old Testament. Dear God, what's wrong with you? You know, there's more teaching and preaching you could do about grace in the Old Testament than there is even in the New. And if you think it's a different God in the Old and New Testament, you haven't read and studied your Bible. It's the same God of grace and mercy. Jesus himself, in defending himself against the attacks of the uh, Pharisees, tried to teach him something and said to them, hey, and he used examples of God's grace from the Old Testament. We have to have a transformation and a change. It's when we come into the presence of God, there needs to be a fear and a trembling. When we do that, then his awesome power and his majesty makes itself known. And there's power to heal and deliver and set free. There's power that will really transform people and change people. Look, you may have the bumper sticker. I, I wasn't out in the parking lot, so I, please forgive me. If you have it, I'm not judging you. <laughs> I'm just saying, I get weary of that whole old bumper sticker that used to say, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. What on earth does that even mean? You know, if you, if you have a daughter and she brings home a guy who's a rapist, cannibal murderer, I have no idea why I just went there. But anyway, why do I? I kind of default to cannibalism. That's really weird. But anyway, um, um, so, you know, and the guy got off out of technicality and said, well, I went to the uh, service you know, that they had at the prison. Look, man, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I'd like to have your daughter for lunch. I mean, over for lunch. <laughs> not perfect, man, but I'm forgiven. You want that guy going out with your daughter? Yes or no? Why not? He said the right thing. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven. Because you don't want to hear that from the guy. You want to hear the guy say, listen, I want you to know it's barbecue sauce, number one. Number two, <laughs> sorry, why did I even go there? <laughs> um, um, number two, you want, him to, you want him to look at you and say, I don't deserve to be in your house. I'm going to stand out on this doorstep. I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to call the police. I have no business even asking this. And I got on a technicality. Frankly, I should be in there for the rest of my life. But God had some mercy on me, and I don't know why. Whatever you want, I'll do it. Isn't that what you want to hear? Amen? Because one manifests a transformation, the other doesn't. We're trying to tell people they're forgiven who aren't even remotely sad for what they do. We're trying to tell them, he loves you, he forgives you. First, I just want to say something, and again, this is going to be extremely controversial, uh, even though I'm going to quote a Bible verse. Do you know that God is angry with the wicked every day of their life? That's in Psalm 11. God doesn't hate anybody. You haven't read Proverbs chapter six, have you? These are those that God hates. Spread strife amongst brothers. Hands that shed innocent blood. Feet that run rapidly to evil. You're like, wait a minute. Augustine, one of the great church fathers, uh, made this comment in the most wonderful and marvelous way. God loved us even while he hated us. You know what grace is? The fact that there's nothing lovely about us at all. And God chose out of a sheer act of his own will to love us anyway. That is grace. Not, oh, I had so much going for me, that's why he loves me. 
No, there's nothing about you that you had going for you in the sight of God. Or me, I'm talking about me too. None of it is God's choice, which is why it's so amazing, this grace, and why we can be happy no matter what anybody thinks about us. Why? Because God's attitude about you won't change. Now, his love for you won't save you unless you repent. Anymore, like, you know, somebody once asked me, why are so much, you know, we we're witnessing on the streets, and, and somebody said, why, why is it, if, if God is so good, why are there so much bad in this world? I said, the answer's simple, it's soap. And they looked at me like, what? <laughs> I said, soap is your answer, because there's a lot of soap in Ames, Iowa, yes? Is there a lot of soap you can get in Ames, Iowa, yes or no? Still a lot of people that are dirty. Why? Soap doesn't do you any good unless you personally apply it. Amen? Look, if I'm dirty and she's clean and I rub against her, will I get clean? Will she get dirty? Yeah, because dirt spreads. Cleanliness doesn't. Remember that. Right? If I'm dirty with the filth of sin in my life and I rub against people that are clean, that's when the bad stuff happens because dirt rubs off on cleanliness. Are you hearing me? The, the only way I'm going to get clean so that my interactions with other clean people are clean, the only way that's going to work is if I take the soap of the blood of Jesus and apply it to my life. That process is called repentance. Everyone say repentance. Isn't it funny? I, I was speaking at the largest church in this one particular state. I'm not going to mention uh, what state that is. But I, I, how I got invited there, still no clue. But they invited me. And I'm like, okay. You know, I, I prayed. God said, go. And I, I went. So I, I go there. And when I walk in, uh, they hand me a sheet of paper. This is 30 minutes before the service. They handed me a sheet of paper. And I'm looking at it. Hell, judgment, sin, death. I'm like, what is this? There's a list of the words you cannot use in your message. And I handed the piece of paper back. And I said, later. And I put on my coat and I was leaving. And I, look, I'm not, Braddy, understand this. I believe in being completely submitted to wherever I go. I believe in that because submission is not restriction. It's actually protection. And so I'm like, I, I said to the pastor, I can't submit to this. And I'm not going to disobey you by, because I mean, all these words you told me not to use, sin, death, death hell, judgment. I was going to use them in my opening comments of, hi, everybody, my name is Dean. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, um, so, so anyway, you know, uh, and I said, I can't do this. He goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Starbucks. That's where Jesus would go. <laughs> um, because one of God's names, I'm convinced in my Bible, the NIV, the Niforatos inspired version, uh, calls God Jehovah Java. Amen. <laughs> and, and I'm like, you know, I mean, I'm going to go there, win somebody to Jesus and use all every one of those words because that's part of the gospel. And so he couldn't spontaneously come up with a service. So he said, well, you could do this, but don't, don't be surprised if a bunch of people walk out. I suppose you want to do an altar call. He did like that. And I said, uh, yeah. He goes, nobody's going to respond, so don't freak out about that. I said, okay. Let me just make a long story short. By the time I finished that altar call, if I'd opened fire in the sanctuary, which sat thousands and thousands, if I'd opened up fire with a machine gun in both hands, I wouldn't have hit anybody. They were all at the altar crying. I'm like, I don't know why he doesn't think they answer altar calls. What is this? <laughs> They're all jammed up there in the front, weeping, crying. I got way too excited because I'm hyper. And I, I'm like, I got way overboard because I was supposed to be doing a small group. And, and the small group was a group of charismatic Pentecostals who were going to this church. I have no idea why, but they were. 
And I'm like, okay. And they wanted me to talk to some of their friends at that church about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I said, okay, I will. You know, and so I was going to do this for them. And I was staying at basically the pool house of their very palatial place that they lived. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'll be happy to, you know. So I got way hyper looking at everything that was happening and invited everybody to come over to their house. (laughs) They had to move that small group back to the church. You know how many people showed up? 800. Of those, about 650 got baptized in the Holy Spirit praying in tongues that night. I didn't do it like an open-air crusade like we do in Africa. Can I tell you something? You have to use those words because Jesus' first message was repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Without repentance, there isn't forgiveness. You actually have to admit more. I, I heard this one young man, and I live in Denver. He has this big millennial church, and he was telling everybody, hey, listen, the, the Greek word for repent is metonia, and, and if, it just means a change of mind. So if, you know, the fact that you've changed your mind about how you see your life, that's walking in repentance. And I'm like, you know, I realize there's a lot of secondhand weed smoke, but I think you need to start walking in a different spot than thinking that's what that means. Um, listen, I'm being kind. Look, I'm, like I said, I'm like, if, if reincarnation were true and it's not, but if it were true, I would come back as a Jack Russell Terrier Chihuahua mix. That would be me. Um, do you know that you can repent in a false manner and not be forgiven? Your Bible teaches that. Whoa! When I see him high and lifted up, this precious one who revealed himself to a nine-year-old girl that she wanted to have a wedding dress to be ready to meet him because she, he knew where her heart was. Even as a nine-year-old, she knew what repentance was and transformation was and change was. Whoa! When I see him because I need to repent. Do you understand true repentance means, God, I agree with you against myself. I agree that I am worthy of hell and death. See, falsely repentant people don't repent. They're like, whoa, I can't believe you believe that stuff. My God's a loving God. He would never judge me. He would never. Because he loves everybody. Everybody goes to heaven. Everybody goes. I've heard that all the time. I said, oh, you think Hitler's up there. Well, not him. I thought you said everybody. How about Pol Pot who killed all those people in Cambodia all those years ago? How about that child molester person who did this? How about that guy who just whacked, you know, after sexually abusing his own six-year-old, you know, just then all of a sudden kills her, decapitates her, kills his wife, then kills himself. All those people up there, huh? You get caught in this whole thing. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us deserve hell. All of us need to repent. And that repentance means we agree against ourselves with God. And let me just make sure you understand this. And I want to make sure everybody gets this. To agree with God against yourself means that you have to agree that your sin deserves the punishment, God says. A falsely repentant person thinks that's unfair. I mean, that's unfair, the punishment that I have. A a falsely repentant person, if they can do something and still eke their way into heaven, even though God doesn't like it, would want to do that thing. A truly repentant person says, God, even if I can make it in heaven doing it, God, I don't want to do it because it displeases you because I love you. Are you hearing me? You know You know, true repentance grieves over sin and said, it's only right that I deserve hell for this and I cannot believe that you would even want me into heaven. A falsely repentant person says, ah, you know what, I mean, everybody sins. I'm not as bad as that guy over there. 
Jesus told a parable about that, about a Pharisee saying, I'm glad I'm not like that publican, that tax collector. You know, I do all these things, I'm, I'm not that schlep. Jesus said, that guy who couldn't even raise up his eyes and said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner, in real time. I, I am, this is what I am. I, God, I, I'm here, but I don't deserve to be. God, have mercy on me. Jesus said, that guy went away justified in the sight of God. That's a legal term for not guilty. It's about attitude, isn't it? Whoa! And that's a word of confession. I need to repent. This is true repentance. God, I agree against myself. I, I deserve, God, I... I don't deserve any blessings. I can't believe, God, that you would even save me. I can't believe, God, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. I can't believe, God, that you would, that you would want to speak through me, that you would visit me, that you would bless me with the things that I have in my life. God, I, I don't deserve any of it. Thank you. Thank you. He who has been forgiven much loves much. It doesn't mean that you have to go on a huge crime spree. It's the person who understands how much they've been forgiven. Look, my testimony could be like the cross and the switchblade. I was prostituting myself, selling my body to do things I never want to remember for the rest of my life. Angry, violent, all these things I was. Your dad met me shortly after because Jesus had saved me and filled me and he thought I was worth having to come and preach. I'll always be grateful for your dad. Which showed either his wisdom or incredible lack of judgment. <laughs> Um, it's, it's God saves you and delivers you from all these things and you're like God I can't believe I get to see these things I'll never forget the first time in Uganda Africa I laid my hands or I didn't even lay my hands because there were so many people I just gave an altar call everybody who's sick if you have dead with you bring up the dead we're, I'm going to pray and Jesus is going to heal them and raise the dead to prove to you that what I've preached to you is the truth that's what I said I'll never forget I'll never forget when a lady comes up there weeping and crying. She's holding up her little child. She goes, my child can see. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? It's a little kid. It, it, the child had been born, eyes pointing different directions, malformation of a muscle. And the child could not see. And now this child can see because both eyes are pointing the way and, and touching the mother's face and she's bawling and crying. I'll never forget the, that pastor, the African pastor, the Ugandan pastor, put the microphone in her mouth. What are you going to do for what Jesus just did? She goes, I will serve him the rest of my life. Years later, I go back to that area. She was still serving him with her husband. Muslim couple who had a child that was uh, six years old, absolute cripple. One of the people who had gone through discipleship was in the crowd. We were praying, just heal in the name of Jesus and laid hands on him. And the kid was off running around with kids for the first time in his life playing. And dressed in their Islamic garb, they're standing up there. And the guy takes off his hat and he goes, I will serve Jesus. I am a Christian. Whoa. That's a word of confession. God, I don't deserve any of this. And the next word is low. That's the word of the angel. The word of man when he sees God is woe. The word of the angel is lo, I have this thing. And it's a word of cleansing. God is willing to cleanse you if you truly repent. I feel like as the body of Christ, what, is it, what are we always told? Judgment starts first at the house of God. That's God cleansing his house. Revival is coming. 
That revival needs to be a purged and cleansed and holy bride. He's coming back for a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. I wish the wrinkle wasn't in there because I hate ironing, but hear this, (laughs) right? Without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. There needs to be a cleansing. There needs to be a washing. His response is really interesting because the angel then comes. The Bible does tell us there's angelic ministries that are going on. That's true. There are angels all about us. I think personally at times I've honestly believed that my angels have asked God for an order of protection against me for what I've had to put them through. But I want you to hear me very carefully, all right? These Angels are, are, are ministers to the heirs of salvation, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews. And this angel comes and touches his lips. Our lips need to be cleansed. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Amen? We're more connected with social media. We're more connected with other things. And yet we, we know more about what other people tell us about Jesus more than what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who walked with him all those years. Are you hearing me? You know what? We don't know our Bible. We need to become a people that are cleansed by having our mouths cleansed and where we speak what God says and not all these stupid and foolish conspiracy stuff. Is Jesus so boring we got to talk about all this nonsense? Is Jesus that boring to you that you can't speak about Jesus? We need our mouths cleansed. Can I get an amen? I don't know about you. When I was being raised, I have Greek parents. I mean, uh, you know, both of them from Greece. Um, the, the fact is, is that when my, you know, parents, I mean, they used to wash out my mouth with soap. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you had that happen? How many of you had your mouth so washed out with soap, you came up with your favorite brand? <laughs> Irish spring, I, <laughs> I, that was my favorite. So minty fresh, <laughs> right? I mean, you know, man, you got to get your mouth cleansed, bro, <laughs> Right? I mean, uh, thank God it wasn't like today with the pandemic. I mean, because then they'd be using that stuff that you do with your hands. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful for Irish Spring. Hear me. <laughs> um, I want you to listen well. The word of confession, you know, where his mouth is cleansed and there's an actual cleansing process that happens. We need that. Amen? We need to put our mouths at the altar. And uh, just as a little plug here, you need, there's nothing worth missing what God's going to do among us tonight. There's nothing that you're going to watch on TV. There's nothing. Call into your work. Use a sick day. Say, I'm, I'm spiritually sick, not where I need to be. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Listen to me. You come because you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You have family and friends that don't understand. Some of you don't pray in tongues. You need to. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues. You need a prayer life. Amen. Now, hear me well, okay? Let God cleanse you and touch your lips because God's way of washing people's mouth out, the Bible says your tongue directs the course of your life. It's like the rudder on a ship. That's James 3. With the same mouth, we bless God and then we curse people. That ought not to be, the Bible says. How does God cleanse your mouth out? His washing your mouth out with soap is by you praying in tongues every day and directing the course of your life where it needs to go, not where you want it, but where he wants it. That was good right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where I'm from, my old neighbor, we used to say, preach it and take an offering. Amen. I'm going to give to myself. <laughs> uh, hear me. <laughs> All right. The final word here, right, is go. That's the word of God. There is no way that we can see God 
There's no way we could have a word of confession of our sins when we see him. There's no way we can hear the angels declare and let God take a coal and cleanse our lips and not be commissioned by God to go and tell others. You know, it's really funny. I used to share this with your dad all the time. I used to, with your father-in-law. I said, it's kind of weird because the two things that God asked me to do in my life are the two things no Christian wants to do in America. Pray and win souls. Yet the Bible says our job, our, our job is to pray. Everybody say, my job is to pray. Now just remember this. Okay, I said this earlier. I'm gonna say it again because I want to like literally brainwash you with this. The, our job, our actual work is to pray. That's your job. It's to seek God and to pray, right? When you work a regular job, you get a reward. What's that reward called? Paycheck, right? Cha-ching, right? It's your paycheck, right? Well, God rewards you when you do your job, which is prayer, with ministry. Where it's not preaching at people, it's actually the life of God flowing through you and ministering to them. Amen? That's why praying churches affect the foundation of the culture in which they live. Great popular churches only affect the number of people that sit in them. And they don't affect them eternally. I'm not saying that, you know, listen, you, you could be completely backslidden and have a, 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 an evil ulterior motive and share the Bible, and the Bible will still save people because there's an anointing on the word. But hear me, okay? The final word there from God was go. I find it interesting that Isaiah sees God is absolutely in fear and trembling before him in humility. Sees him and his response is not like, well, I can do whatever I want to the way I want to now. Well, he's awesome. But rather one of contrition and brokenness and humility and being silent in God's presence and watching the scene. And then God sends, then there's the low. The angel says, hey, look, God sent me. Boom, you're forgiven. Here's the coal, you're washed. Your mouth, your tongue, your life is now gonna be set on the right course. And then God says, whom shall I send and who'll go for us? Now, this is the guy who just said, whoa, I'm gonna die. Now, he hears God speak and jumps in and interrupts the divine counsel and says, I'll go. How could you not? How could you not? Jesus walks into Peter's house. His mother-in-law's sick. He heals the mother-in-law. Anybody remember that story? She's got a fever. He heals her, lays hands on her, prays for her. What happens? Immediately the house is filled with people. She's feeding everybody. It went from a house of sickness to a house of ministry to others immediately. How many of us ask God to bless us with the finances so we can afford the car, afford the house, afford the thing so we can use it for God and then how few of us remember that promise and don't even use it for God? You know how many times I prayed for men at men's things? Bro, can you pray for me? I'm, I have this opportunity for this advancement. One guy stands out to me. He asked for this thing. He was a successful man, but he was asking for this major promotion, this major company, and all the rest. And he said, we're going to use it for God. And the pastor had told me, yeah, this is a faithful man, and all the rest of the stuff. So I prayed with him. And God heard my prayer. 
Oh man, he got it. And they gave him more than he was even asking for. Two and a half years, three years later, I come back to that church to preach. I asked the pastor where that guy was because I didn't see him at any of the meetings. And he started crying and he said, you just don't know. I said, but didn't God answer? Yes, God answered. He got all those things. And then he started saying, all the people want in the church is to use my stuff, that's it. I said, but that's why he asked for it. Are you hearing me? God knows the promises that you make. Isn't it interesting? God says, okay, you want to go? Then go. Isn't that what God come to earth said, our Jesus? Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Everybody, doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter the socioeconomic level, doesn't matter what nation they're from, doesn't matter what their first language is. Go, make disciples of them, teaching them to obey what I said. Not get them to church so they could sit in a pew, teaching them to observe, literally obey and walk out what it is I taught you. Which is walk in holiness and the fun stuff too. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and it says cleanse lepers, L-E-P-E-R-S, a leper with skin disease. Not cleanse a leopard, because if you cleanse a leopard, you end up with a puma. I saw that on Animal Planet. Uh, amen. Right? Cleanse lepers, cast out demons, freely receive, freely give. Somebody shout amen. amen. Right? We're supposed to do all these things. God says, you do these. This is the mandate. Go. That's our commission. How can I be silent? I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. I can't help myself. Can I tell you one last story and we're going to pray? Can I? Come on, encourage me, encourage me. Oh, you're so pushy. Okay, all right. All right, if you insist, just to be polite. <laughs> um, I was coming back. This is a few years ago now. I was coming back. Uh, we had brought a, a, a team of people, because I'm nuts, to an active war zone, landmines, bombs, and guns going off because what a better place to preach the Prince of Peace, right? Right? So uh, we're in Sudan. Ah, oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought Jesus literally appeared. You know, I said, okay, you know what I'm saying? Okay, from where you're seated, do you see like the whole thing around him? It looks like it's... Uh, <laughs> it was like one of those moments. Okay, never mind. I'm not even going to go there, okay? <laughs> it just freaked me out. Or if you were in the King James, I had a freaketh outeth moment. All right, I'm, so anyway, I'm coming back, I'm coming back from uh, Sudan. We were in Sudan, it was active war zone, it still is unfortunately. But, uh, but we're, we're coming back. When we went out there, when we flew out there, we had to kind of go over a land border to get in. Um, when we went out there, uh, we were flying British Air and they lost all of our luggage. I did not see my luggage for two and a half weeks. I saw it two days before we were coming back to the States because we had to get going, right? I mean, it actually came into where we flew into was Uganda. It actually came into Uganda, but we couldn't get back to it because we, they were waiting for us over the border. So, so needless to say, I was, I just, it was interesting. <laughs> I just like the clothing. So I was, I mean, I like wearing local clothing anyway. So, so anyway, I, I did that and uh, didn't have a little number of toiletries and other things. So anywho, uh, so when I finally see my bag, I emptied most of it and gave it away to the ministers and the missionaries that were there anyway. So I didn't have much left in my duffel, big, big duffel. And so I have my big duffel, so I'm flying back. And so I love flying those long haul airplane trips because I make friends with people and witness to them. Where are they going to go? Right? 
And uh, if you see me get on an airplane, I actually always, pray. it is my custom, I pray for turbulence. I have for years. God, give me turbulence because it's so much easier to witness. And so, so I, I'm, we're, you know, we're flying back and all the rest. And so we, uh, we land in Denver, right? I'm, I'm by myself at this uh, stretch. And so I'm, you know, I, I get off the airplane in Denver and, you know, you have to clear passport control and then you have to, you know, pick up your bag, right? And so I'm waiting for my bag. And so, I mean, people are picking up their bags and I'm saying goodbye. People are telling me, hey, goodbye. You know, Brother Dean, we'll be thinking about what you shared and, you know, and all the rest of the stuff because I'd witnessed to a ton of people. That was a great flight home. It was awesome. So, so, uh, so you know, I'm, I'm just saying, connect with me, please. Here's my number again, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so, so I'm waiting, right? Pretty soon, it's just me and coming off is all the mail bags and all the other stuff. And I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe they lost my bag again. So this guy comes up and he's standing next to me and I wasn't paying much attention to how he looked. I mean, I just knew there was a man standing next to me and he had a clipboard. And I looked at the guy and I said, man, why is my bag taking forever? And all of a sudden my bag comes off with five other bags and it has security yellow like crime tape all around it with a thing saying customs inspected. I said, why is my bag got a yellow tag on it and says customs inspector and then I looked and I realized this guy said head customs inspector and he looked at me and goes that sir is what we're going to find out grabs my bag says don't touch anything and this guy had evidently just gotten promoted and was feeling it <laughs> there were seven people I remember the number seven okay there were seven people that were young neophyte customs people and they're all having to listen to him. I say it that way as politely as I can because he was feeling it. And he's walking back and forth, literally not even looking at me. He's just walking back and forth. He goes, sir. He goes, I'm going to strongly, he's looking at them like, watch me break this guy down. Uh, sir. He goes, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to make this comment to you once. This is very serious. And in the meantime, I'm looking at my bag and I can smell it. It's wet and it smells like beer. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You smell a beer that's like been sitting around for a while. In my bags, it looked like it, you know, somebody dumped a case of beer on my bag, right? And the guy looks at me, he goes, sir, he goes, I promise you, we're going to discover anything that's in there. So if I were you, I would honor the laws of the United States of America and tell me the truth when I ask you this question. So, sir, I'm there. So, sir, do you have anything to declare? Now, I have a horrible sense of humor that it's horribly timed. And I looked at him, I said, I didn't even know my bag had a drinking problem. <laughs> that was my response. That's what came out. <laughs> Who knows about their bag? You don't know where your bag's been. You know, it hangs out in the thing and you don't know. And so, so I'm sitting going, I don't know. I said, oh my goodness, he did not like that. He goes, you think this is funny? And in my brain, I'm thinking, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> he goes, you think this is funny? He goes, I assure you, sir, this is not a funny matter, especially after you're in prison and you have to pay a lot of money. So I'm going to ask you one last time, do you have anything to declare? And I looked at him. I mean, he had his face like this close to me. It was like one of those cop shows that's funny, you know, because of how they do this. And I looked at him and I said, well, I mean, Outside of the fact that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, I can't think of anything. He goes, go through all of his stuff twice, and he storms off. I mean, that was the only thing, but this time I'm really happy, right? 
And, uh, and seven people, you have to understand, my bag was this big. It had hardly anything in it. And seven people are tasked by him to go through all my stuff three times. I mean, it would have taken one person like two minutes, right? So anyway, they, they literally cut my lock off, you know, and, and they do all this other stuff and they rip it open and all the rest of it. And they're all kind of going through and they're looking at each other like, what do we do? There's nothing here, right? And the one guy looks at me, he goes, sir, he goes, honestly, he goes, look, he goes, like the good cop, uh, he goes, is there anything that you need to declare? I mean, other than what you told him. But I love Jesus. I said, well, yeah. He goes, anything would be helpful. What? So, well, I also got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I pray in other tongues. Have you ever heard of that? And the one girl goes, I've heard of it. And they all look at her like, shut up. Don't encourage him. You know, right? <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm now I'm super hyper and happy. I'm going, this is going to, this is turning into a great ministry thing. You know, this is great. So I'm standing there and I said, oh my gosh, there is something I should have shared. And he looks up at me and they all look up at me like, can this be over? You know, kind of thing. And he goes, uh, uh, what? I said, I probably should have told you. I said, I'm in the same line of work you guys are in. And the guy goes, you're a customs inspector? I said, yeah. Well, no, well, kind of. I said, see, because everybody's trying to make it into heaven with the contraband of sin. And so I'm wondering, is there anything any of you need to declare? Any sin? Jesus will forgive it. And they're like, okay, go. <laughs> How could I not go? I serve the Jesus that forgave me because I truly repented. I serve the Jesus that didn't have to. He could have vaporized me for all the evil I'd done in my life. I serve the Jesus who certainly didn't have to save me, but yet he did. He heard my cry and he put my feet on a solid rock. I serve the Jesus who didn't have to fill me with the Holy Spirit, but he filled me. And for some reason, he called me into ministry. And I don't know how he did that with all this. I already apologize. I have a personality. I am what I am. I would have never chosen me. I wouldn't have. That's not false. I'm telling you from my heart the truth. I've wondered. I have felt uh, much of my life, I felt like I'm the trained monkey. You know, for those of us who are old enough, remember the organ grinder, you know, the trained monkey. I felt like I was the monkey. People would have me come in. Oh, he's going to sell some jokes. He'll get some people filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be spirit-filled, but at least we could like check off the box and say, yes, we had somebody talk about it. I have felt like that. I begged God years ago if I could die for him overseas, telling people who've never heard the name of Jesus once about this Jesus I love so much. How can we, how can we say, whoa, and realize what we deserve and then be cleansed from a coal of his altar and not respond to him then saying, go. Because a bunch of people are gonna one day, you and me and all of our families and all of our friends and all the people that we work with are gonna one day, whether you wanna believe it or not, it's still gonna happen. We're all gonna stand before God and say, whoa. And the reason why they're continually singing like pastor said, and worshiping and say the same thing over and over again, how could you ever say thank you enough? Thank you This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.